Welcome to episode 136 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How about them Cowboys? And what a weird week of college football it has been so far, and how crazy that this game fit into the weirdness that it was. So we get one of these weekends every year, and like I'm, I'm working on my four quarters. Maybe they'll be done by the time this podcast goes up. I don't, I don't know. Um, my first point is this: this was that weekend, and Oklahoma State's game played right. Go, go look at the scores. Forget the fact that Texas lost. Now, I know Vegas opened with TCU's. I don't understand that at all. And and they really only lost because Ellinger threw four interceptions. Hey, Texas like, is back though. Didn't you what, know that? What? What? No, what did we say? They were a year ahead of schedule last year. They, yeah, no, they're and they're gonna, they're not done losing. Like they still have Texas Baylor and Iowa folks, State. The meme that'll never die. Get ready for Baylor OU in the Big Twelve title game. That's that's beside the point. Um, so you have the three ranked Big Twelve teams. I know somebody was on Twitter was like, "What about Baylor?" I'm like, "Baylor didn't play today. Don't don't bring me Baylor." The three ranked teams in the Big Twelve this weekend all lost. All lost. And Iowa State was the only home team that lost. And isn't it the most Oklahoma State thing to lose homecoming in a game everyone thinks you're going to win, only to come on the next oh God, weekend so, and beat a team so at their homecoming the when you're expected to lose? Thing I can possibly think of. Nobody, nobody is better with their back against the wall than Mike Effin Mullet Gundy. But let's just... Let's just run down this for a second. So you have those games. Somehow Miami went to Pitt and won. Uh, Stanford uh, beat Arizona. Uh, last check, UCLA was housing Arizona State. Uh, I mean, the ACC is a mess. The Pac-12 is insane. The Big 12 is a mess. Uh, it, part of it is the middle is a mess like we knew it would be in the Big 12. But, man... The bottom's not as bad as that. This, this, this is that weekend in college football. This is that weekend. And I will take one note for OU. Oh, they're oh, no um, they're I screwed. I was talking to a couple of my friends that are OU fans, and I went, oh, you're, and, you guys are done. Like, this effectively ends your, your title hopes at all. Now here's, but here's why. And, and there's a reason. And, and they're going to point to, well, we only lost by for three a touchdown. Right. You know, yeah, but no, we all know, we all watched that game. And yes, what happened in the fourth quarter was wild and crazy and awesome and so much fun to watch. And you're sitting there going, is Kansas going to blow this did. thing? Are they, they going to blow it? They came a half short like, of blowing it. Oh. oh my gosh, did they ever. But, and I tweeted this for my 1012 account. I said, this was the Ohio State gets blown out in one in their only loss of the season and then left out of the oh, playoffs no. for the last two years, lost for Oklahoma. That's exactly what it was. So not only is o- and now Texas losing, OU's best resume win just got worse. They got blown out in Manhattan. Don't talk to me about the final score. You know, if, if they'd have called that, it was the right it was call. Not, there was, he was not blocked right in the ball. Stop it. You got thumped. You tried to mount a fourth-quarter comeback. It was too little too late. You got down too far. And part of that was Kansas State playing, just run out the clock and let's go home, which – we can talk about whether that was the right move or not. It worked. I think they went into to prevent offense one possession too early. That's not the point. OU's done. Because here's your problem, and this is why. Um, LSU might win the, the SEC, and they might go undefeated. 
They get to face Alabama without Tua. And if Bama's only loss of the season is to LSU without Tua, do you think they're going to keep Alabama out of the playoff? No. Do you think undefeated or one-loss SEC champ LSU is not going to get to the playoff? No. Okay. Uh, is Clemson going to lose a game this year? The rest of the year and still find okay. out to be undefeated. Now, they to, are 2014 to credit, Kansas State. Have looked really or, I'm sorry, 2014 tonight, Florida State. They look like they're maybe turning a corner. Granted, they're playing Boston College, but still. like They actually look like the high, the like the Clemson that we all expected them to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it right now, and I hate saying it, Ohio State looks like the best, See, most I complete really team in the country. LSU. LSU's defense, I don't think LSU's defense is as good. I actually think Ohio State's I, defense is better than LSU's. LSU's offense might be a bit better, but I have a hard time. Let's put it this way. Yes. Wisconsin is the best defense State. in the country. So, Did I, you see what Ohio State? Yeah. Auburn has a really good defense, really, and LSU I, I scored 23 on it. comes them. down to the offense, and I know we're kind of getting off a true college football as a whole tangent here, but I, I mean, it's it's a crazy week, but I'm, well, yeah, I'm of it's, the opinion that I, I, I mean, think I'm, in a – scoring match I think LSU can outscore Ohio State well let's let's just continue the whole like throw in the fact that if Oregon wins out their only loss is a neutral site game or at the beginning of the first week of the yeah. season in a very close game to a good Auburn team um, Utah lost on the road to USC early in the season they could win out like one loss Big 12 champ OU and I'm of the paranoid mindset of like if they went out how are they going to keep the man of the playoff and not have Alabama play Jalen Hurts. Like, I get it. I just... But, man, no, that was not the loss you wanted to have. Also, let me make one last point about OU, and we'll move on. Can you remember my uh, five thoughts on Oklahoma State's 2020 schedule? And I said, I'm really excited that OU and OSU are going to play in October. And everyone was like, that's terrible. No, it needs to be the end of the season. Blah, 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 blah. Um, this is not me wanting. This is just me giving due respect to Oklahoma and stating some facts. At the end of the season, OU tends to be playing their best ball. At the end of the season, OSU and OU are both going to have injuries. But who's more able to handle injuries due to depth of talent? Oklahoma. Um, and OU is usually playing in that final game to get to the big, so they can get to the big title and go to the playoff. They're playing for more. I'm not saying this is not a, like it's not fair that we have to play them. OU, it, OU has an edge for those reasons. That is just, it's just me being blunt. It's not me being whiny or complaining or thinking it's not fair. I just want to see what happens if OU and OSU play in October. Well, guess what? They're going to play in October. And what's the one October. month they lose in every year of the regular season? The only games they lose in the regular season for like the past, wow. since like 2014, October. They lose one October game every year. I know it's OSU. I realize it's a rivalry game. It's very different than playing a TCU or a Texas or a a Kansas State on the road. But having that game in October, yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of those. Where when Give me. I saw the schedule. <clears throat> I didn't hate it. Like I think it's weird. Like because I've grown up and seen OSU playing OU the Saturday after Thanksgiving. You know, every year for years on end. So that's what I'm used to. I don't hate seeing it at the beginning of October or the end of October, though. Like it's weird, but I I kind of like it for those same reasons. And once you once I read your your five thoughts and once you mentioned that point, I went, okay, th- this might work to OSU's favor. I'm never gonna I'm not gonna pick OSU 
to beat OU until they win five out of seven. That's the that no. that is which is I know it's oddly specific. <laughs> it's still but I told myself that after last year's bedlam when I went in going we're going to get our ass kicked. It's over. I just want to be done. And then we just started scoring with them. And then they roped me in with hope. And then they fall one point short. I went. That's it. I'm not picking OSU to win Bedlam until they win five out of seven. So from now on, I'm just going to go in and just go, let's see how this goes and go from there. But I think at the end of October, it gives OSU at least a little bit of a better shot. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, like, I don't want to open the Big 12 play in any way with OSU, but let's just, just, just it's I mean, fine. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, let's just do it once. Okay. I, enough, I have enough one more point OU, enough, enough of this. Let's how- just. How the hell is Minnesota 8-0? Are they the quietest 8-0 team of all time? They started the season where... So the funny thing about them was when they started the season like 4-0, it's like, yeah, but they barely beat anybody. And now they're just running over teams. Like, they've just got the, the, it going. The that boat, boat is rowing. Row the that damn boat, sure. man. Like, they are... That ain't a, that ain't a rowboat. That's a like, speed. The, that is a speed party boat, and it is heading right through everybody's little like helmet? makeshift raft I and tearing it down. I watched a little bit of the, the game today. The stripe on their helmet is mm-hmm. a I love it. Like I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Like they I leaned into it, and I'm proud of him for it. But I really like him as a coach, and I would run through a wall for him with the way he, you know, the way he interacts with his players on game days. But. I mean, we talked about OSU having no business being 10-0 and in 2015. It feels like Minnesota has no business being 8-0 right now, but I kind of love it. Um, I actually think if you look at some of Minnesota's scores, they're better. They I have more right to be 8-0 than Baylor does. Baylor, Baylor almost feels more like the... I think Baylor's... It's hard to comparison because like, I do think Baylor's good. Like I think Baylor's going to beat Texas. I think Baylor, like Baylor's probably going to lose to OU twice this year, but that may be their only losses. Like they're probably going to lose a game somewhere because I do think they're really good. Again, this is not a shot at Baylor. Baylor's really good. OSU yes. fell apart in the fourth quarter last week because I could argue that the performance against Iowa State today for three quarters really wasn't significantly better than what they did against Baylor, except for on defense not giving up the big plays. Um, I think they're, they're comparable games. The problem with the Baylor game is that just that fourth quarter hit, and it just it was over. It got away from them. And Spencer Sanders pressed and tried to do too much and kept turning the ball over, and that was, and that was the game. And that's what happened. Um, because, and here, let me talk about this week. You look at this week's game, and, and, and you kept waiting for that to happen. Like, you kept waiting for this team to fall apart. And by golly, they I didn't. Mean, so we, and we good texted on throughout the game, and... Before we get into the game as a whole, I just want to give a shout-out to Iron Monk and their Payne County Imperial IPA for helping me get through this game. Uh, I really, really needed it. But we were talking about this game, and when Spencer threw the pick, which was awful, like just the worst thing, the cardinal sin of being a quarterback, throwing the ball late over the middle across your body. Like You just don't... Hold on one second. One, one just, I'm just gonna. There it is. What are you drinking, by the way? All right, you can you can continue. Um, this is an Epic Trail Amber Ale from uh, Bike Rack. It's uh, I think it's based out of Little Rock. Back it's either that or Rogers. I forget. It's in it's in Arkansas. 
Oh, it's Bentonville. Yeah. Yeah. Say, I, I drink I go, local. I go to Iron Monk I live here once a week, so I'm always. Oh, every time I come I home, I grab myself some Stilly well, Wheat and bring it back with me. Because as much as I love the, the Payne County Imperial, mm-hmm. it is 10%, which just kicks you in the ass just a little bit. And so I needed something to kind of, you know, mellow it out in between. But I died. Oh, yeah. But the yeah, thing but is, I needed it for this game because I was hoping my, my thought process for some reason was drinking this beer would at least mellow me out and relax me to the point that if we lost, I really didn't care. But no, it really just gave me hope the entire damn game. And all they, all Oklahoma State tried to do was just rip it out of me. But they found a way to win the game. But back to what I was saying before you, you cracked your beer and we got on our, our beer tangent. This is going off the rails, but I think this would be at least good enough that we can we can move on. Um, Spencer threw the ball over the middle, across his body, Cardinal Center being a quarterback. And then Iowa State scores in two plays, and we both went, ball game. Like, that's it. Like, this, this game is over. It's a tie game. There's... In, that is in honest, we're we both very are, negative think, people. Like even though we're negative, I think we're like we're realistic because we've watched enough Oklahoma State football in our lives to kind of know where the tipping points are, and that really felt like one. But they found a way to stay in the game. They, they ended up going three and out on the next drive, and then Malcolm Rodriguez happened. Like the the fourth quarter was bizarre as I have seen a football game that Oklahoma State has played in a while. And a lot of it has to do with the fact, well, for one, that I tweeted, this is the game, like the game is over, and then Malcolm Rodriguez, not even a minute and a half damn later, gets the pick six, and I'm just getting roasted for it. But at the time, I felt like my my point was valid. Well, yeah, I mean, Iowa State had, had tied the game. OSU went three and out. But here's Iowa State's next four possessions. Pick six, punt, interception, interception. And we're talking like interception on the second play, interception on the play, like quick interceptions. And my goodness, I, for a team that couldn't force turnovers, if you're going to do it, that's the time. Them's the times, boys. Yeah, right mean, then and there at the end of the game I'm when you're trying really, to seal I'm it. I'm a very loud person uh, watching a game in – both positive and negative. I'm pretty sure like my wife absolutely hates it, especially when it's more of the negative than the positive. It is sad though, because our dog like just stares at me the whole game. Like I'm mad at her rather than just screaming at the TV. It's a really unfortunate time for, for our dog Paisley, but (laughs) I didn't have a response when Rodriguez was running that, the interception back. I just kind of put my hands over my head and was just like my jaw dropped. I was like, Oh my God, we're really going to win this game. I don't know how we're going to do it, but it's going to happen. Like at that point, it just it flipped for me. It was a complete 180 to the entire second half of, okay, we're up 21 to 13. That's great. Okay, how the hell are we going to blow this? And they f- almost found a way to, but they also found a way to stay in the game. And the defense managed to take over and force three interceptions from Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is a damn good quarterback. And they found a way to. Just mm-hmm. make him real, think they weren't there. And Malcolm Rodriguez the pick six. And then you get Amen Ogbong Bamiga to get the ball on a pick six, on, a, on an interception. And then you, you have horrible clock management on the, the next offensive drive. I don't want to talk about that too much. And Trey Sterling gets a, an interception on the, I think it was the second play of that drive. And the game is over. I did not, if you had told me Oklahoma State was going to force three interceptions from Brock Purdy, I really thought Oklahoma State was going to win that game at like three possessions. 
But the fact that they managed to do it in the fourth quarter of a close game, the defense gets the game ball for this game, no doubt about it. It's incredible what they were able to do. And you and I talked about this off air. This was their best performance of the season. It was. And and let's let's say this. Um, yes. Baylor was their worst performance in a lot of ways. They got out schemed. Um, they couldn't tackle running backs, so they had Who's a trouble stud, by the way. That's, with Brees Hall a lot today, too. That dude is really, really good. He is. I've seen a couple of Iowa State fans trying to be like, it's, it's the next Juba, and you're like, no. That's okay. That's the exact. He is the next Justice Hill. That is the exact. And there's something comparison to. And not just that, the guy who where they came out at the beginning of the season had like three different guys, Bam. and somebody rose to the top and said, oh, "It's my game," which is exactly what Justice Hill did his freshman season. Um, I think there's a. I think there's a similarity there. I do think he's the next guy for Iowa State, and props to. Uh, Matt Campbell for just seeming to find these guys as freshmen who just turn into studs, which is awesome. And we're going to talk a little – we'll do a little recruiting talk at the end as far as running backs go. Um, but let's put it this way. I said after the Baylor game, we all want to go to the defense. And I understand the defense gave up the big plays against Baylor, and they didn't today. But this is a defense who has been – Undue expectations and pressure have been put on this defense because the offense has not done its job. This is a team built to score and a defense built designed to do enough that the team can win. And the offense has not been doing its job. In fact, with the turnovers Spencer has had through most games, it's putting the defense in these terrible positions that they're just not ready to, to, to overcome. Had a new defensive line. They don't force a lot of turnovers, and I have a theory on what that is, but I don't know for sure, and I don't really want to talk about it on the pod, but I have a shout-out to Brian Metcalf, who, who tweets at me a lot, um, the idea that they're doing that they're teaching more rugby-style tackling, which I actually want to go back and watch the game and see if that checks out because it would make sense whether they're not forcing as many turnovers and more folks than getting the stops and why they're actually having trouble um, tackling running backs because it's a change in philosophy on how you tackle. All that said... Um, the defense has been good this year. We don't want to give them any credit because they're giving up 45 points a game. We're giving up 45 points a game because I, I really want to go back, and I'm going to do this this week, take out all the inter- scores off interceptions and fumbles and turnovers. What is the defense giving up? What are they really giving up in games minus turnovers? Because my, my guess is it's pretty damn good. Because obviously it was pretty – because you had one turnover this game. Shout out to Spencer Sanders. I know he had one that was in the – hey, somebody got mad for this tweet, but I thought it was funny. Uh, props to Cade because he did too. Um, like he had that knee, that should have been interception. got dropped in the first quarter. And I was like, well, there's – you know, let's just count that as one. Which means I got like go. one or two more. And only had one more. So I was right. <laughs> he threw two, but only one got actually actually got caught. So props to that one. Um, one interception. That was it. And what did, what did the defense do? It's job. Because it wasn't put in these – I know some of the offensive play calling in the second half after the interception was exactly what Gundy does, which is let's just run the ball now and let make him throw. And you're like, let's okay, maybe let's um, try and win. Try and win this game. But the defense has been good all year. They had a rough game, but they've been good. And props to them today because they – and the defense was good today, but certain Holy players were awesome oh today. Mother – now has the school record for most pass breakups in a single game at six. 
Now, part of that is because they kept going after him in the first half. They just kept going after him and after and after him. And but you know what, dude stepped up. Now, I know I made the joke on Twitter, like it'd be really cool if he could actually catch some of those interceptable balls because a lot of them seem to be thrown his way and he can never come down with them. It's a joke. Like I would rather he just knock the ball down than allow the guy to catch it. Like I'm not going to gripe about a guy getting six passes defended because he didn't catch interceptable balls. Like, I'd like him to because he'd have like seven interceptions on the season. But I will take his performance on Saturday every day of the week and, and be too, like, thrilled with it. We, you know, we see that the secondary had a great day. And they, I mean, uh, Brock Purdy threw the ball 62 mm-hmm. times, which I did not expect coming into this game. But And he had no. some crazy completions in this game where Malcolm Rodriguez or Trey Sterling or Corby Hallward Bill was blanketed over the guy, and the dude managed to make a catch. Like, at that point, you just tip your cap and you move on. But mm-hmm. overall, Oklahoma State played a great game. They forced Brock Purdy to throw. They hope, you know, Br- uh, Brace Hall, he had a great game. He only had 76 yards on 18 carries. And a lot of that was him making something mm-hmm. out of nothing. He really would probably be somewhere in the 60 range. Oklahoma State made a couple tackles for loss, but I digress. They found ways to make plays when they really counted and when they needed it. I, if you had told me, again, it, it goes back to, if you told me Brock Purdy was enough to throw the ball 62 times to try and beat Oklahoma State after the way that Lovett, you know, and Charlie Brewer ran all over Oklahoma State last week, I would have taken the dub. I would be like, okay, then we're, we figured something out. I mean, I, I want to think so. I also think, and we said, you know, we – after what happened last year, I figured they'd have a good plan defensively. My concern was not whether or not the defense. Like I, I thought the defense would have a good game plan and execute it. I was more worried about turnovers, and we just we didn't have them. We forced them. Like we we're just not used to that. But I mean, let's let's run down the weird stats in this game for a second. Um, OSU put up. I mean, there's there. This is going to take a minute, so just bear with me. Oklahoma State put up 34 points in this game. Um, they were that they never wild. were in the red zone. They didn't make a single. Reds, they never snapped the ball inside Iowa State's 28. They took 11 offensive snaps on on Iowa so State's side plays, of the 50. Man, they were able to get in the first half. Okay, I, I and I know you want to go back to these. I know you yeah. want to get to those weird uh, here, stats. Well, hold on a second. I'm not even. Tylen yeah, Wallace okay. is a grown ass man. <laughs> that catch and. <laughs> And you saw the Iowa State defenders like trying to get fizzle with him after a while, and they quit because he, they'd he hit him and the they'd fall best down. Defensive player, and he was out for the game. And then he's running downfield. He goes untouched for fifty yards. Mm. Stiff arms a dude says, "Get off me!" And then he's in the end zone. <laughs> it was that. Mm. That, by the way, is why he's going to be oh, in the NFL no despite being slightly undersized because physically. That guy has that guy has some physicality. Oh he's got that, some strength. He's got some body control. Catching runs I've seen in all of college football all season. It was insane. I go back go back to your stats, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about that because we you were mentioning how we we really didn't get into Iowa State territory and managed to score thirty four points. Go go right ahead. So this thing, um, we averaged seven point three yards per play today. But if you take the three touchdowns, the three massive long good. plays, we averaged 4.15. We had 115 yards in the second half. 
We had 112 yards under our average. We were 2 of 12 on third down. Iowa State 34 controlled minutes, 34 the clock. Session time for Iowa State. It was just they, 25. They to 25 ran, for us. Five plays. Did you just... They ran, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, 88. They ran 88 plays. We ran 55. They had more yards than we did. Yeah. And we won this game. They had four and sixty-eight. We had four oh two. Yeah, that penalties. That we both had two penalties. Four penalties in this game. A minute left in the second quarter, and it was a false start on Iowa State. Yes, and part of that, they just let them. The part of it was let them play. They let yes. them play physically, and I appreciated that because, and I think OS, OS, he was part of the problem last week. Baylor played physical and was allowed to, and Oklahoma State never adjusted it and did it themselves. That was the biggest problem for Oklahoma State last week is they didn't play physical. Baylor did. Baylor got away with it because they weren't throwing the flag for stuff that they should have thrown the flag for but because it was super inconsistent. This week, teams played physical, and they let it. And I'm fine with that. Let them play physical. I would rather see fewer flags and physical teams allowed to play physical than Mamsie Pamsie. He touched me. He breathed. He looked out my window, Dad. Here's a flag. I think I actually I think I said that in the first half when I was watching the game because I I'm I'm talking to my wife watching the game, but mostly it's just her being a sounding board to my thinking that I'm being logical and being smart. And I said they're being like I said they're letting them be physical on the outside. This plays to Oklahoma State because that's the way AJ Green, Rodarius Williams play, especially on the outside. If they're more physical and they're allowed to play some bump and run coverage, that plays into what they are do well and that's exactly what they were able to do i mean petaway and uh what was that other receiver's name oh god charlie Kohler. i mean if, if only oklahoma if only if only i oklahoma knew inside track coming in he'd be a problem i mean i honestly though i think woods i remember this is basically woods second season being a tight end I think Wood heads to that ceiling. And while Woods isn't the okay, pass catcher, Woods is Woods a hell of a blocker. Charlie Woods, Jesus Christ. Jelani Woods talking about the offense. Yeah, that throw that Jelani? Sanders had to him over the middle in zone coverage was his best throw all season. Mm. The, the throw to mm. Brayden Johnson in Texas was ridiculous. But mm. we knew about his arm talent. You know, that... that mm. He had that throw to Braden Johnson. That was late in, Wolf, uh, against yes. uh, Oregon oh, the, State. Oh, the one season that he opener. dropped too. Oh, and then no, 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 no. that little oh, yeah, yeah. route. Same thing. We know about yeah. the arm talent of Spencer Sanders. It was about him being able to diagnose coverage over the middle, and he threw that thing on a three-step drop, hit his back foot, and let it rip. And he threw that thing on a line over the middle. It wasn't some rainbow that let. I mean, he threw that thing on a line thirty yards. And for him to make that throw tells me so much about his development and what he's going to be able to do, hopefully by the end of this season, but if not next season. Like, it, that, he played a good game. I mean, outside of that one throw that he forced, yes. Mm, he played a really good first I, half, I agree, and he played an when okay second together, half. I'm and be fine. Like, we're going to be good. Well, I... I I think the problem. So here's my theory on the second half, and I and I actually watched the second half with the, with the, we were we had some we were some friends, and and he made the point, and I and I figured it out of you got that second half. Iowa State was getting close, the game was getting tense, 
and I think he he tensed up. And and when you when That's when fair. you are stressed, you revert to habits. And when he and the game gets tight and close, and Iowa State's defense. When it gets to the second half of games, that's when they rack it up the pressure, and that's when they rack it up to try and get you and throw you off and make you uncomfortable. And they did. And he reverted back to his habits. His habits were not taking what was there and trying to force things and, and, and holding the ball too long. So all of his old habits started flaring up. In the first half, he had a play, and I and I wish I could remember where it was, and ESPN's not wanting to work on the internet for me because you know my internet's a piece of shit, where it didn't – it, it wasn't a first down. They did not get the first down. He threw the ball underneath, and I think it was to John A. Woods, and Woods wasn't able to get the first down. And my first reaction was, what the hell are you doing there? And I stopped and went, you know what? That was perfect. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He took what the defense gave him. He took what was available to him, and it didn't get the first down. But he also didn't force shit and have a turnover. And right now for Spencer Sanders, I will take the – that play is open, and if it works, great. Exactly. And if it doesn't, yes. we'll live to have another down. We'll live to play again. We're going to get another possession. And he did it. And I saw that play, and I went, I'm really happy about that. It's, I, it's so weird to be like, we didn't get the first down. I should be angry. I'm not. I was proud of him because he took the play that was available. And no, they didn't get the first down, but that's been the problem with Spencer up to this point. And he, he started to show some signs of it against Baylor, and then the second half, it all fell apart. And the pressure got him in the fourth quarter, and, and it just it killed him. Similar to the second half. Pressure started to build. He wasn't playing as well. He didn't implode completely, but he didn't start playing as well. We are seeing incremental progress. We are seeing him get better. In first half of games, he is relaxed. He's 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 going through his reads. He's processing things. He's making plays quickly. They're setting him up with plays where he gets the ball out quickly, and when he does that, the, the offense runs beautifully. I'm okay if it's a 15-play drive. If that's what's working for Spencer, and he gets the ball out and makes the right reads, and gets and the offense and the, moves down the field, give me that all day. I don't need to be the 30-second score offense if that's not what works for him right now. He's getting better. We are seeing progress from him. Does he still have some boneheaded throws? Yes. Do I think the near interception drop was a miscommunication between him and Wolf? I do. They were talking to each other after the play. You could tell that, that something happened there. It wasn't just that he wasn't paying attention. There was a miscommunication. Something happened. It wasn't all on him. I think he is getting better. I've been very hard on him because he's made some really boneheaded, dumbass mistakes. He is getting better. He still has old habits to break, and old habits, bad old habits, are very hard to break. Those aren't really going to be gone until next year. It's going to take a while for those to go away. But he is doing better. It, 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 you saw what this team can be when he's not putting them in bad situations. And you have to look at that and go, if he can have first halves like that, OSU has a shot in pretty much every game outside of OU, and, and who knows with OU, but with TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia left on the schedule, OSU has shots in all three of those if he continues to play the way he did in the first half and continues to progress in the second half moving forward in the season. He, I was really Brian proud of him today. Really I thought he did, did a, a really good, good job. job. And I'll say this. I think a lot of, I think a couple of those throws that were near interceptions were also due to the fact that the turf at Iowa State was god-awful. Everyone was slipping why do you have natural grass? Holy crap! Just get turf. Just get just get artificial turf. It makes everything much easier. Like it, you don't see shit like that ever. It, it was it's bad. It was awful to watch. 
And it wasn't just Oklahoma State. It was Iowa State, too. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's not as griping. Like, it was only on us. And it like, led to both sides had issues. Passes. Like, there was a lot that went on in this game because of the awful service that Iowa State and Oklahoma State played on today. But the throw that, to me, really made me go, okay, he's getting better. It wasn't anything he did that was spectacular. I think it was in the beginning of the – it was in the second quarter right before mm-hmm. halftime where it was, it was a third down. And he's on his primary read. It had to have been Tylen. I mean, if I had to guess. I, I, I wish I had an all-22 where I could look. But, it, I mean – It always him? is. <laughs> but that, that's where he was looking. The, no. the, the pocket collapsed. And he rolled out and got – you know, as the pressure was in his face and found Chuba on a check down. Now they ended up a yard short of the first down, but I went. Yes, he didn't. It was another example. Yes, I that uh, that is yes, I agree. I, I remember that one as he well. Made what worked, and they nearly got a first down. And I mean, Chuba was wide mm-hmm. open too, and almost got the first down out of it too. Like he almost broke through a couple tackles and was able to get the first. But I looked at that and I went, "That sucks. We have to punt the ball and we got to give it back to him with a minute and a half left." But I'd rather have that than him try and throw back across his body over the middle like he probably would have done a week or two ago. That at least shows me he's willing to take what the defense is giving him when the defense is in his face, too. It wasn't like he had a clean pocket and was making a decision. Like, he had three guys in his face and was able to make the throw. That, to me, tells me, okay, we're mm-hmm. starting to see it. Like It's starting to click for him a little bit. Like We're starting to see those little improvements. And to me, that's that says a lot about week to week. I've... I don't think he makes that throw two weeks ago. I think he either takes a sack or he tries to force a throw where it's not there. Mm-hmm. That tells me enough about what we see in Spencer mm-hmm. Sanders, not mm-hmm. only from a coaching perspective, for, but from what he's able to dissect on the field too. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's getting better. He's he's making re- – like, props to Gundy and to Sean Gleason. They are working with oh, him to get better. You know, no fumbles. Uh, I listened to – um, the Oklahoman has a podcast called Cowboy Chronicles. Scott Wright, Jacob Unruh run it all the time to talk about. They've really worked with Spencer Sanders on using two hands to hold on to the ball, not fumbling the ball. They're working with him. They are like, I know everyone is like, good, he doesn't care, blah, blah, blah. I've never thought that. That is bullshit the whole time. They do care. They are working through this. And it's been a struggle, and it's been difficult. And one win doesn't cure everything. If they go out and lose to TCU next weekend, we're all going to be like, Duh. And there's a very good chance we have you know, two steps forward, a step back. But the progress is there. That Baylor game, I know there were mistakes, and I know the fourth quarter collapse sucked. But if you, go, just, if you take the fourth quarter out and watch the first three quarters, you saw progress. You saw progress with Spencer Sanders. You saw things that this team was doing well. Um. I I feel good about where things are going, and yeah, this may be a this still may be a seven and five season and a bowl game, you know. And I know everyone's not pumped about that, and that's not the expectation. But yes. there is a long game to this that has to be done. Um, there's no quick fix right now with Spencer. If he's the guy, if you believe he's the guy, this is a long this is a long thing. Sam Ellinger was crap his freshman season. Crap. Awful. You remember Sam Ellinger, his, true fr- his freshman season? Yeah. Awful. Okay, outside of today, He's pretty good yes. now, isn't he? Do you, remember, do you remember Charlie Brewer's first season? He couldn't He couldn't even lock the job down last year. How good is Charlie Brewer this year? 
every, people take time. Everyone's not I, – I get it. You know, We expect all these true freshmen because Baker or because of um, – you know, Brock Purdy last year or because of what Bo Nix is doing at all, blah, 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 blah. We expect these guys to come in, be true freshmen, win Heisman's, blah, blah, blah. They take time. Most of these guys, 90% of these guys, take time to get better. He's getting better. And I look forward to watching him to continue to prove he's going to still make boneheaded mistakes, but they're better, and I'm for it. And if you go on the road and beat Iowa State, Mike Gundy's now three, won three of four against Matt Campbell, the great Matt Campbell. Um, you got to feel good. I know TCU beat Texas. Duggan's playing better. The defense has got some guys back. That's that's not an easy game, but I feel good moving. I feel good moving forward. Whether they had won this game or not, I feel good moving forward because I've seen progress. If they had lost this game, if Iowa State hadn't had that last turnover, they marched on the field, scored, they went to overtime, and Iowa State had won. I'd be frustrated. But I can take away from this game that this team is better. Whether they had won this game or not, this team is better. Spencer Sanders is better. And right now the biggest issue for this team is if Spencer Sanders isn't hurting this team, this team's pretty good. They've got some pieces that are really good. And um, as long as he continues to improve, this season will continue to get better for this team. An area of this team that has been fantastic this year that we have not talked about. We talked about it briefly with Kip Smith because that's his area of expertise as a former punter at Oklahoma State. Yeah. But I feel like we have not, as a fan base, do it. appreciated how damn good the special teams have been this year. The kicking, Matt the kicking Amendola, specifically. We knew the leg he had on him. I think he made like a 55-yarder against Central Michigan when he was a freshman. And we all knew, oh, this dude can bomb field goals. Like We knew the kind of leg, but it was just inconsistencies inside 30 over the last really three years that we've seen that were like, what is going on? And this year, this past offseason, I guess he worked with some NFL kickers, really refined his mechanics. He's twelve of twelve, and I hate and I hate feeling this way, but I just had a feeling when he went out for that forty-nine yarder, uh, the first field goal he made. I'm like, he's gonna push this thing right, and I I hate feeling mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. because it's just kicking is a thankless job. It's just like special teams and offensive line. We talked about that with Kip. It's a thankless job. You, it's people only give a shit about it when. It's going bad. The only time kickers get talked about exactly. and offensive linemen get talked about is when you're not doing your job. Middle. Like, just... I'll, I'll bleep it. It's fine. Ooh, F-bomb. <laughs> I, I, I got to... For no, my sensibility, it. I got to bleep that. But... <laughs> uh, your mom listens to that. But he drilled that thing. It was awesome. And then he gets the 40-yarder from the left mm-hmm. hash, and I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. I still think he might push it right. I just don't know. Hit it down the middle. And it's just all year. Outside of the blocked field goal last week, or the blocked extra point against Baylor, he's been automatic. And I like we haven't really had – and Grogan was good, but he was good inside mm-hmm. 40. He, does, he didn't have the leg that Matt Amendola does. We haven't had this really since Quinn Sharp. So it's been a long time since we've had a dude where if you get on the other side of the 50 – you feel pretty good about where you're at. Tom Hutton averaged 41 yards a kick today. I don't think he's averaged over 40 all season, but that's also because he has the rugby kick. But he had three punts inside the 20 mm. today. Everything on the special teams really helped Oklahoma State win this game, and it had a huge impact on what they were able to do. And also, I'm going to give a huge shout-out to Jake McClure. We talked about him a lot last year, but it was because shit was going wrong. 
he was kicking out of bounds. It felt like every other kick. And giving guys huge realization. He's hit a touchback. Mm-hmm. I th- it feels like 80 to 90% of the time this season. It, fi- it might have been just yips last year of it really being his first season of college football where he's played consistently. So you understand that to a certain extent. But this year he really seems like he's figured things out. Everything about what special teams has done outside of the coaching decision at Texas with the fake field goal has been awesome. And this has been a detriment of this team the previous two years, and now it's a strength. It's crazy how it flipped from last season to this season. Hutton's been that big. I mean, he's had, I think I recall, one bad punt. I don't even know which game it was. I know there was one. That's it. And Hutton, Hutton's a freshman. Like, I know he's a 29-year-old freshman, but he's a freshman. This is his first year in college doing this, and he has been spectacular. He has been fantastic for his Oklahoma today. State team. Um, no. 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 Uh, I'm trying to find this. I know Amandola is 12-0 this year, but that streak actually goes back yeah, into next last year, and I think it's 16 like in a row. Season. It wasn't even a bad miss. I think it was like a, like a 40-something yarder that he just barely missed. He, he was 16 of 22 last year. So let me get the games. Okay, here we go. Yeah, he uh, he missed his only attempt against Oklahoma. Um, field goal-wise. Uh, and the two weeks before then, he was bad. He was 1 of 3 against Texas and 1 of 3 against Baylor. Since then, he is he, list, he hit his last three. He was his only one against West Virginia, only one against TCU, and only one against Missouri. He's on a roll. And, man... And he wasn't bad to start last year. He started last year, what, three, six of six, seven of eight, nine of ten, eleven of twelve. So he started last year eleven of twelve, and then he had a rough three game stretch against Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma, where he went two of seven, which is bad. Like that's real bad. But since then, dude's been on a roll. Like, he's good. And if he continues to perform like this, there are going to be some – like, I don't want to get ahead of things. and I don't want to jinx it. And I understand that. I, and I got a wooden desk. But the dude, the dude deserves the praise right now. He absolutely – I'm going to be like, how can you talk about this again? Dude deserves some credit. Okay. Dude deserves some credit. Special teams deserve some. As much as we've dogged them, they've done a really good job. I – Whoever's like the guys in charge of it, I'm really annoyed when they get hired to be the special teams coordinator, get paid to do it. At some point, Gundy just hire one of these guys because that's happened before. They've had this situation and guys have gotten hired elsewhere. Just hire them because the kicking is fantastic and no one's talking about the kicking. And that's that's kind of how you want it to be. Like you shouldn't be complaining about the kicking. It's been fantastic. Hutton has been a weapon, and it has also been overshadowed because OSU's been losing, but. Bravo. Like, bravo. I will feel – if Amadella has to line up for a game winner at some point this season, I agree with you. I'm going uh, to I'm feel very good about it. Very, very good about it. Like, he may miss, but I'm going to feel yeah, I, I saw, very I, good I, about it. You see the, the graphic run across the screen. It was 10 to 10 on the year, and I'm like, okay, that's great. But it was about this point of 2017 and last season where he went on that cold stretch, and I just felt maybe this was that time where he was going to do it. Without a shadow of a doubt, he made both of those kicks. It wasn't like he just snuck it in beyond the upper. 
both of them just drilled it down the middle, it's, which is so good to see. And underrated, Jake McClure is a fantastic mm-hmm. holder as well. We've seen it signer do it the last couple of years. They The long snapper-holder-kicker combination is huge, and it's been really good. Like, people don't – and I, I watch a lot of – if you follow Pat McAfee on Twitter, he does a lot of these videos where he talks about, you know, it's not just on the kicker most of the time. A lot of it is the snap and the hold. If the hold is off by just a split second, it throws the whole operation off. Or if the laces are out, you know, or the, if the laces are in, the kicker kicks the laces, no kicker is going to make that. Or if the snap is high, there's so many different variables that go into it than just the kicker. And what we're seeing this year, we haven't seen any snafus really. Everything has been really solid, which I think is a testament to Oklahoma State really figuring it out over the last couple of years. And this year, everything seems to click. And we're now where we don't have an aspect of offense, defense, special teams that truly is a detriment to what Oklahoma State is trying to do and trying to win games. Yeah, I'm winning. This game is fun. Winning is fun. Winning cures a lot of ails. Let's go to the uniform Um, real quick here. I don't know who I'm going to say at that point, there's nobody else we need to shout out because we shout out all the people who you're just like, bravo. Um, that uni combo, I was the pants away. You did, did you say the chrome brand? I called that helmet, too. That's right. You did. Nicely done, sir. Yes. I, I, I had the orange pants, though. That was the problem. And I have I gray pants. I had I orange. The I thought they'd go black, white, gray. Or black, white, orange. The gray pants. They went black, right, gay. I, I got the gray pants. I got, I got the tricolor. Yes. Oh, I love That's the only gray I want. Look, if they can come up with a really cool that gray be- helmet, I'm fine with that. What, what, like a what matte gray we're... helmet would be really neat if they had a really good look. Um, oh. The black Phantom Pete, because it would pop like like fire. If you put black Phantom Pete on matte gray helmet with, with chrome stripe and chrome face mask, don't, or actually black stripe and black you face mask, would, that would be the shit. Next week? Um, Give me gray, black, gray. I wouldn't hate that for home against CCU. Mm. I, I think I think they're going to go. I think they're. I gonna think they wear some orange today. next week. Like, it's it. Halloween. Oh shit! It's Halloween. Ooh, ooh, orange, white, black. I don't. Or all think black. We haven't. Have we done a black, all black yet? Oh, give it to me. Phantom it's, Pete on Halloween week, man. Phantom Pete on Halloween week. Down. Hook me up. Let it flow. Um, before no, the uniforms were. Beautiful. Oh, I nice. I for a combo that doesn't have much orange, that's a damn fine good combo. Black white gray is one of my favorite road combos they do. I, I don't like wearing the same color helmet as the other team. I agree with you. When I saw they were gonna do black, red, red, I was like, okay, we're probably gonna do white or orange or something. But they still went out the black and Which I, is a which is a good look for them. Is. That's a s I don't love Iowa State's uniforms. It's a good look. Yeah, I was th- is black even like a secondary or tertiary color for them? Like black's a color for everybody. Like I fair. don't want to get into it's the art. Like or gray is not one of our character colors, and we wore gray pants. It it still looks bad. <laughs> well, I'll say it. It looks bad. But sorry. Right. So we have. I'm gonna say one more thing about the game real quick. Uh, shout out to Pat McAfee for being the only smart person on the college game day crew. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Oh, uh, you stole it. Yeah, Pat. At which I like I said I'm a huge fan. Of, I'm actually wearing a uh, for the brand sleeveless hoodie right now just because I wore it all day because he picked Oklahoma State. Mike, there's good juju here. Let, let's go with it. 
But I, I saw someone say on Twitter that if he ever replaces Corso it, on game, if there's anyone to replace Corso on College Game Day, it it's should it. be Pat. Yep, yep. Because he he won't do I like I don't think he'll do the the mascot head. But if he cuts no. like a WWE type promo for the team that he's gonna pick, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd be he's gonna have to do his own thing. Like, don't have him replace him to do what Corso did. But if you're just looking for a personality, I, yeah, I think that is a, I think he's a great personality to have to do his own thing. I I, I agree. Yeah, like he he does, if you you have watched Thursday Night Football on ESPN, he's done a fantastic job just kind of being, like he's a third man Mm -hmm. in the mood, so he's got enough football knowledge to be competent in the mood, but he's just a great little comic relief little, you know, zips at uh, Matt Hasselbeck, who's, who was one of his teammates in Indianapolis. Like, it's it's awesome. Like, and if you listen to his podcast, too, he has, you know, he puts out one Monday through Friday. So it's hilarious if you get to listen to it. It's a little NSFW, but still really good stuff. And then what he did yet today, like, he had me cracking up the whole time. Like, it's, it's so good. Kansas is about to line Look, when this comes out, what? everyone will know what have happened. Kansas is about to line up for a game winning field goal oh with 16 seconds left oh at the God. Texas Tech 22. Can, can we play by play this real quick? <laughs> like, let me just say, my Texas Tech's going to a bowl game pick is now gone. Um, oh my God. My Kansas beating Kansas State pick, though, I still feel good about next week. Ooh. Okay. Well, like, let's just, we'll just, we'll just dip back in if it happens. Cause at this point, whenever he hears this, for sure, for ooh, sure. Tulsa just, Tulsa just took the lead on Memphis. What the heck is what? going on? It's that Saturday, people. Actually, they have a lead, and they have the ball seven minutes to go. This is that Saturday. UCLA is up on Arizona State 42-17. to <laughs> Okay. Kentucky is up 29-7, and it's the fourth quarter. This is, this is chaos. This is what the Joker wanted, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I love it. Okay. I, uh, I love it. Okay, we have you, we gotta of, hit a few things. Yeah, we have we a ton hit of recruiting things. stuff to talk about here, especially with running backs. Daniel, uh, not, a, not a ton. Let's well, just a couple of things. Let's just hit them quick. Yeah, Daniel. Because by the time this comes up, they'll probably be, uh, you know. Yeah. So Daniel Engada, uh, the running back out of California, he took his official visit a few weeks ago when Shane Illingworth was here, the quarterback commit. Um, <laughs> all signs before last <laughs> week were really pointing to him going to Arizona State at or his top five. Yeah. Or A and M, like it did look like Oklahoma State was obviously in his top five, but it wasn't. It didn't seem like it was going to happen. A couple Arizona State people that follow their recruiting have flipped to Oklahoma State, so it's looking like there's a really good chance Oklahoma State lands its 2020 running back. So let's. Yeah, so I, if you haven't been to the site in a while, go check out the site. I've got an article up. It, it breaks all of the prediction stuff at this point down. Um, he is committing on Sunday. He will announce his commitment Sunday. No one knows what time he has. It announced what time. My guess is Sunday evening. These guys like to do this stuff at night. They like to build up the excitement during the day, and then they like to make their announcement at night with a video or whatever on social. Let's put it this way. Um, 24-7 experts still have Arizona State as the favorite. Now, um, I forget which one uh, put up a video talking about Ngata 
and and stated he thought that Oklahoma State was the edge. That the official visit between him and his parents, they really liked Oklahoma State. And shout out to Chuba Hubbard, that Chuba Hubbard and his performance of what Oklahoma State has done with him has played a big impact on his decision. See, that was the K-State game, right? Uh, I believe it was. Yes, yes, it was. Yes. That 200, the three, the three bill game. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you go to the rival site, and this is where we go to 24-7 a lot. That's the one I use. I like them. They're very accurate. They tend to do a really good job. Rivals does a good job. I just like 24-7 better. It's a personal preference. Rivals experts have Oklahoma State as the favorite. And that includes, as Joel mentioned, at least one Arizona State guy, one guy who covers the Sun Devils who has flipped his decision from ASU to Oklahoma State. So there is a lot of things pointing at Oklahoma State landing Daniel Gatta. Understand this. Four-star all-purpose back would be the highest-rated recruit to commit to Oklahoma State since Rachetti Jones and Des Bryant. They, in that class, those two guys were ranked as high as he is. And and honestly, I think God is ranked higher than both of them were. Understand for that, the concern has been Oklahoma State is probably going to lose Chuba at the end of the year. I like Glass. He's not... He's not Justice Hill and he's not Juba. Um, we know what L.D. Brown is. They didn't have another guy coming in. This is a come in and, and, and compete for the starting job immediately kind of player. Big. Very big. Very big. His top five were Clemson, Utah, A&M, Arizona State, and us. And if we land him, that is um, – he is the crown of this uh, – crown jewel of this class and huge – for the running back. And I will take back any bad things I've said about our running backs coach, uh, Wozniak, if we land him. Because basically to this point it had been that really Arroyo landed Shuba and he's stuck around. And the best that – and props because Glass is a, nice, is a nice piece. But Glass – remember, Justice Hill took over his true freshman season. Um, Justice Hill uh, – Shuba didn't play his true freshman season, but Gundy kept gushing about him. Glass got like two carries and a – Mop-up duty, fumble the ball, and no one's heard anything about him. Like Glass is a nice piece. He's not Justice Hill so far, and he's not Chuba. Ingata could be. Okay, so I know you're just talking about it, but I'm, I'm looking at this Kansas-Texas Tech game. Did you see what just happened? I did not. They kicked a field goal, right? They, they went to go kick it. Texas Tech blocked it. Then they fumbled, and Kansas recovered. Still in Kansas territory in field goal range. They kicked the field goal. Kansas wins. Oh, okay, I, that happens enough. I just saw Kansas the, just beat Texas Tech 37-34. That may, yikes. Okay, cool. Um, wow. So this is weird. It's it's that. Ooh, Tulsa's now at forty-one thirty-five on Memphis with five minutes to go. Oh my god. <laughs> Clemson's blowing out. Michigan's winning. UCLA is still winning big. Kentucky's winning big. It's that Saturday, and I. Love it. Oh, as far as recruiting running back news, the other big news is that Isaiah Jacobs, who's the three-star back out of Owasso, announced his top five on Friday. Oklahoma State made the cut along with Maryland, Michigan, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. OSU has a lot of running backs right now. Um, You've got Juba. You've got L.D. Brown. You've got um, Desmond Jackson. You've got DeAndre Glass. You guys, whether like Micah Cooper, Jamil Jeter is apparently viewing transfer. I think Jamil Jeter is going to transfer. If Chu believes your running back room next week year is LD Brown, Desmond Jackson, and Drowned at Glass, uh. you could use uh, being honest. And Desmond Jackson would be a senior; he'd be in his last year. 
I mean, he's been unhealthy this year. That's this his big problem. You could use another. Landing Isaiah Jacobs, who's Josh Jacobs' brother, who was the guy at Alabama, who's at Oakland, tearing it up. Um, somebody on Twitter would <laughs> be like, I can't believe you pick Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. And everyone's like, dude, Oklahoma didn't offer him. So, shove it. Um, I think it would be good for OSU to land two backs. And if they could get Jacobs, it would be a really nice piece to add to this class. I think he's really talented. Um, he's not going to be a play as freshman year guy. He's going to be a needs a year with Coach Glass to to build up and get ready and be out there. Kind of a shows up in his sophomore season as a backup kind of thing. Um, it would be a nice piece to land. I don't know if they can get him. I think Michigan is legit. I think Arkansas is legit. I think Maryland has a shot because their head coach was the guy at Alabama who they have the relationship there. The one wild card to look at for Jacobs is this. If Alabama decides they need another running back and they offer Isaiah Jacobs, he will go to Alabama. He loves Alabama. His brother was there. If Alabama comes after Isaiah Jacobs at any time and offers him a scholarship, he's gone. Like, let's say he commits to Oklahoma State and two days before signing period, Alabama comes and offers him a scholarship, he gone. He gone to Bama. I'm just going to tell you that. And that is a concern. But if OSU could find a way to land both Ngata and Jacobs, remember a couple of years ago when it was like Justice Hill and Ch- and, and Chuba wasn't played, but Justice Hill and J.D. King and like Chris Carson and all these guys, are, and the running back room just looked loaded. It was beautiful what Arroyo left us with. If you could land Ngata and Jacobs, even with Chuba gone, with Glass there, and what I think Desmond Jackson can be as a Juco guy, as another as another back, that running back room would be loaded again. I I I I hope that they're trying to get them both, because I think it would behoove this team. You look at the situation right now with LD Brown, like he's nice. He had a nice game against Baylor. He didn't have a single carrier catch against Iowa State, which was weird. They need a secondary back that they can trust. They need another guy who's ready to go. I think Glass is going to be one of those guys at some point. But to also get Ngata and Jacobs would be huge. The running back room would be loaded and fantastic for the next like three to four years. Oh, yeah. no. If you like Daniel Ngata, that's your immediate impact guy. And then mm-hmm. if you get Isaiah Jacobs, I mean, you look at the pedigree of what his brother did at Alabama and then what he's doing in the NFL so far. Um, that that shows you the the potential of what Isaiah Jacobs can be. And it, it was funny. I saw he, you know, he tweeted out his top five this morning or yesterday, I believe. Friday, and, Friday night. Yeah. Friday night. And some OU fan, which it just serves as a PSA. Don't tweet at recruits. Just stop. Uh, <clears throat> some <clears throat> tweeted something about why are we you know why not OU? OU always wins. OU always loses, which is just fucking stupid, by the way. Just stop. But he said, OU didn't offer me. Um, I don't know why you're I, like, like they're sleeping on me, I guess it was something to that effect, but I, I loved that. I thought it was great. Just, you know, just a little subtle dig, you know? And honestly, at this point, if OU tried to get in, I don't think OU would get in. I agree. I think there's something to the fact that it, it's similar to his brother. That neither OU Alabama came after. No. And, and, oh, I can't, you know, you look at Josh Jacobs now and you're like, how the hell did you let him get out of the state? But um, I think had, there's going to be. I think it was because OSU had Justice Hill in that class. And yeah, the, the class was still, loaded. Yeah, and they had their guys. That was part of the problem. Um, I think with Isaiah, the teams that have come after him hard, that's where he's leaning. I think Maryland is an interesting option. I don't buy into Ole Miss. 
Um, if you go look at the five, he picked his top five. It's the five best schools that offered him, to be blunt. Um, I think OSU has a shot. I think Arkansas is legit. Now, whether or not that lasts, if Chad Morris does, or if they keep sucking the way they do, which it's really hard to sit here and complain when OSU's not doing well, when I have to live in Arkansas, around Arkansas fans, and watch the atrocity that is their football program, if you want to call it a football program. Did you see um, the, the backup quarterback matchup in that Alabama-Arkansas game tonight? I watched some of it, but I so, got that. No, I, I mean, Starkle, remember when Starkle was an Oklahoma State commit? LOL. <laughs> and we were uh, we were real mad when he decommitted to go to A&M. I think we're okay. I think we're just fine. But no, so I guess in the second half, I have not paid attention to it all at all. I know Alabama boat raced him with Mac Jones, who is most mm-hmm. known as being the uh, Zeta Tau Alpha flag football coach last season. Mm-hmm. Um, he, or the backup was Taulia Tungavailoa, to his younger brother by the second half, and John Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones's grandson, was yeah, the, and he's the one they all want to play because he's the he's the next guy, and everyone's like, just play him because the problem is Ben Hicks can't throw deep, and um, you know how turnovers are really frustrating. Well, let me introduce you to Nick Starkle. Oh boy, like, kid can't not turn the ball. Didn't over. he throw five picks in that game against San Jose State? Yeah, he's throwing a lot of picks. Okay, so you were right. Here's the uh, – so Texas Tech blocks the kick, tries to come around to return it, loses the ball. Kansas recovers. They get to kick again, and Kansas wins. The most – like, that epitomizes what exactly what I thought that game was going to be. Like, that's amazing. Now, I will uh, say, I'll say this, though. Also, Kansas rushed the field against a three-win Texas Tech team. They beat a Big Twelve team. They don't give a shit. Let them they, rush. They, they are Let tearing down. Rush. They're tearing down the goalposts. They're throwing them in the lake, and then they're all going to the Hawk. I, if I know KU fans the way I do, that's exactly what they are doing. Because actually, I don't know if you knew this, but Kansas actually has two sets of goalposts in the budget, the athletic budget, because they know <laughs> when they win a game, the students are going to tear them down. So they have an extra set of goalposts in the athletic budget so that they can replace them. Because the students will carry them out of the stadium and throw them in the lake. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I, love, I love chaos. I love Big 12 football. It's, it's fantastic. I do. Um, last note, non-recruiting-wise, props to the Cowgirls with the 3-1 win over Oklahoma in Bedlam. The uh, women's soccer team is the first to claim the new Bedlam Trophy, which I kind of like the trophy. It's the state. Uh, it's like the shape of Oklahoma. It's the Route 66. Anyways, props to the Cowgirls. Very nice win in some really shitty-ass, soggy conditions on the field at uh, New Patterson Stadium because it's gross and rainy. They get the Bedlam win, which is great because they blew the 2 nothing lead against OU in the non-conference game of the first game of the season and, and had a draw there. They are now a 13 one and three. Those are three ties for those who don't watch soccer. They are in, remain in the lead for the Big 12 regular season crown. And if they beat Baylor this week, they win. All they got to do, beat Baylor. Uh, a draw makes some things interesting due to tiebreakers because they lost to Texas Tech. Um, and a Texas Tech. Anyways, beat Baylor, who's good, not great, but you also get them at home. Beat Baylor, you win the regular season crown for the second time in three years. And it's really disheartening to know that they could have probably won it last year because they started 10-1-1, but they had so many injuries pile up, they lost their last six. This OSU women's soccer team is really good. If you are in Stillwater, go to – I mean, here, I need to find what day of the game is. Um, 
I got to watch some of the Bedlam game last night on ESPN Plus. Props to ESPN If it's Plus. on the 31st, it's on a Thursday. So it's on Halloween. It's on a Thursday. I go. I know. This is I great. I will be there. Um, I have not made it to, been able to make it to a game all season. I'm making it for that one because I want to see this team win a Big 12 title. And if I'm, I mean, it's uh, gonna be awesome. Yeah. If, and that's, yeah, it's Thursday. It is Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m. It is on ESPN Plus. If you can't make it, but if you can make it there. They win and they win a Big 12 title. If that stadium could be rocking and loaded and loud and awesome for them, A, because they deserve it, and B, because how much fun would it be to go and watch them win the Big 12 regular season title, knock off Baylor, it would be huge. This team is really stinking good. If for no other reason, just go watch Yoakum. She is flipping awesome. Also, okay. I, I'm looking at the weather report, and I, I'm going to be there regardless but there's a chance of snow on Thursday. Shit's going to get weird. <laughs> it's going to get kids. weird. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll be there. If you're in Stillwater, get there. Brave the cold. Let's let's cheer on this team. Uh, do you have any final thoughts here, Philip? Nah, soccer's my final thought. Go. Like We'll talk okay. about it again before, before uh, in the midweek. But dude, folks, please, if you are in Stillwater, Stillwater around Stillwater, if you're going to be that weekend going early, it is a Thursday night game. If you're a student still are just go. Like, they can win a Big 12 title. Do you know how rare it is to be able to go and cheer on a team and watch them? Because if they win, they get it. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. They win. They are the Big 12 regular season champs. You can go watch them win a Big 12 regular season title. Like, that is awesome. That is a Friggin' cool thing to do. I know a lot of people outside of your friends may not care that much, but like, who cares? It is an awesome experience you will enjoy and remember forever. Go if you can and go cheer those girls on. So my final thought is that tomorrow is one of the greatest days to be a sports fan ever. It is the sports equinox. You know what I'm talking about, Philip? No, because college basketball hasn't started yet. All four major sports are playing on one day. Because the Astros won yesterday, they guaranteed a game five. So tomorrow Ooh. we have Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, and NHL all on the same day. It doesn't happen very often. So th- tomorrow, if you're a fan of professional sports, it's going to be a good day. Now I don't care about the NBA. I, it really it just bores me. But if nothing else, it's a good day for some sports, regardless of what you're a fan of. Yeah, I um, I, the best time of the year are two points of the year is when NBA, college basketball, NFL, and college football are going at the same time, which is November because college basketball is almost here. Do you hear that? Oh, college basketball is almost here. Uh, the other time is just called March Madness, if you haven't heard about March this. March Madness is – It's the is, greatest single yes. sporting event in the world every year outside of the World Cup, but that's every four years, so it's not – we can't count it. It's not fair to count it. It's only every four years, so it's so much more uh, exclusive. But – um. Yeah, it's uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah, it's like the Astros are absolutely kicking the living crap out of the Nationals right now. So it's looking like tomorrow is going to be a huge game for Game Five. Looking like the series may tie two two. Lots of good games in the NFL, NBA, yeah, whatever. NHL is beginning in the season. I'm a hockey guy, so for me, you know, beginning of the season is gonna be fun. But tomorrow is a good day to be a sports fan, regardless of your affiliations, of your favorites, whatever it is. It's just, it's good stuff. No no doubt about it. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Personally, you can follow me at OKTXARPOKE. I will have lots of fun things coming out about OSU. Uh, you can also follow my show, the 1012 Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at 1012 Podcast, T E N, the number 12 podcast. There is an episode we just posted with me and. Um, oh, hold on a second. I got to get the name right. I'm Nicely done. Nicely done. 
Give me a I'm, minute. I'm, I'm, not edit, I'm not editing this out, by the way. This is your own show. This is your own plug. Here you go. Fuck you. This <laughs> is uh, Parker Fleming, who uh, handles the Stats of War podcast for Frogs of War, covers TCU. He was on the show. He was our guest picker on Friday. Um, but we also recorded a bit where the two of us are talking about the weird, similar situations with TCU and Oklahoma State. And I know they both won this Saturday and that, you know, wins cure a lot. But there is something to it's weird that the two longest tenured coaches in the Big 12 are in very similar situations with their teams right now. Um, there's a lot of questions about what they're doing, where the programs are, if they're getting passed by other young guys. So he and I had a really good conversation about it. Um, it's, it's up on out. I will tweet it out. Um, but but go check it out. I thought we had a really good, really nice time talking about what's going on in Stillwater and Fort Worth because I think there's a lot of comparisons between those two um, just because of the situations with the head coaches. So go check out the 1012 podcast, T-E-N, the number 12 the word podcast. That is the Twitter handle, and you can find it anywhere that you get your podcasts. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We will be back midweek to preview the game against TCU, and we will talk to you all then. <laughs>